0: Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 310. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Mamas, before we get started, just a quick reminder that... We are kicking off on Monday, a seven day be seen challenge. So that comes up this Monday, February 18th, a seven day challenge for you to be seen more powerfully in your life. If you are looking to build confidence, strengthen your relationships, stand in your power, level up at work and live more authentically as the beautiful badass you already are, this is for you. During this seven-day challenge, you're going to receive daily inspirational emails that are going to teach you how to actually be more seen in your life. You're also going to have access to our daily Facebook Lives and our private Facebook group. You're going to learn new skills to be more confident and powerful every damn day, and you will be supported by and build beautiful relationships with other shameless moms. And lastly, there's going to be some prizes. So this is a totally free challenge. So you'd kind of be silly to not sign up for it. So I want as many mamas as possible. The last check, there was over 120 mamas all signed up, ready to go. I want you to sign up. I want you to spread the word so that you can be seen, so that your shameless mom friends can be seen. So what you're going to do is go to shamelessmom.com forward slash be seen. That's B-E-S-E-E-N. So shamelessmom.com forward slash be seen and just enter your name and email and you're in. And you will start getting email information from me leading up to the challenge and then daily emails next week so that you know exactly what to do, exactly how you can push yourself to be seen, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, whether you're kind of like terrified and you're feeling like I might make you get naked on the internet. Don't worry, I'm not gonna do that. You know me, I'm gonna let you do this challenge in a way that works for you. So some of you are gonna like wanna make videos and scream things off the rooftops and put on a show and other people are gonna be like, I just wanna like quietly here and challenge myself in quiet ways. They're both fine. Whatever. I got you. So pop over to shamelessmom.com forward slash be seen to join us for this free seven day challenge. But make sure you do it now because we kick off on Monday the 18th. And I can't wait to see you there. Janelle B. Stewart is the founder and editor in chief of the award winning website kinky curly coyly, me.com. She launched her career by educating and uplifting women with natural hair by way of her extremely popular website and YouTube channel. Janelle has been featured in Essence Magazine, blackenterprise.com, and starred on the Dr. Oz television show as a beauty expert. Janelle has a master's in education. She's a shameless mom and a wife. She has two beautiful children, ages four and six, and Janelle's love of motherhood prompted her to create her lifestyle brand, self-titled Janelle B. Stewart, where she discusses a range of topics, including mom life, entrepreneurship wellness, mental health, marriage, traveling, and faith. She is always looking for innovative ways to engage her vastly growing audience, which has reached over 1 million women. And she's also recently launched her empowerment podcast, self-titled The Janelle B. Stewart Podcast, where she empowers women, especially moms, to live their best life. So listen in to hear Janelle share how she used her strength as a strong-willed child to create her own career rather than following a prescribed path the painful practices that young African-American girls endure to manage their hair, the painful practices young black girls endure to manage their hair, the phases and impact of the natural hair journey for a black woman, how she turned a hobby into a side hustle and then into a full-time business that supports other women, how she manages imposter syndrome and why you should go to therapy now before you hit crisis mode. So with all that said, I'm so excited to introduce you to Janelle B. Stewart. Janelle B. Stewart, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is going to be fun, and I will let our listeners know that I just confessed to my Instagram stalking and that's how I find all amazing guests these days. So thank you for being open to stalking and receiving my invitation. (laughs) No
1: problem, you're welcome. I am also, I will say I'm a self-proclaimed stalker as well. I do the same. And I think it's literally the way that people now search. Long gone are their days of the yellow pages and white pages, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter is how you find people now. Totally.
0: Well, you definitely get a glimpse into different sides of people. Like it's not, I mean, often it can be very curated to be like just their professional lifestyle. But if you watch someone for long enough, like you see the cracks where you're like, Ooh, yes, I like that. Like I like their imperfections and I want to know more about that. So Mm -hmm. I love that piece of it. All right. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio. And I want to know what you're most excited about right now.
1: Well, I would probably say for me, I have a combination of things that I'm super excited about. I think as an entrepreneur, just in general, being able to say that I'm an entrepreneur based on creating a career where I am a digital content creator in and of itself is super, super exciting because, of course, it's not the traditional job. It's not what people go to college for. It's not what your parents think about when they prepare their children for the future. (laughs) They don't think that you're going to be making a living off of something like digital content creation, where you're writing blog posts and creating video content or spending most of your day on social media and working for other brands as an influencer marketer. So I'm really excited about that as well. And then my family is growing my kids are getting bigger so for me when I first started my career as a digital content creator I initially it was a hobby I was working as a teacher in a school and then I transitioned out of that into early intervention which in New York is basically like special needs for babies and during that time I got married and had my first child and I really really wanted to be able to stay home and raise my children so being able to really go hard and put all of my energy into this career allowed me the freedom and the comforts to be able to raise My little ones. And so my babies have been home with me for their entire lives. And now both of them are in school. So I am like embarking on this like new part of my life now that I've never known before where my children are away most of the day and not with me underneath me or on my (laughs) bosom. You know, and I get this little bit more of freedom. So that is also very exciting. And then I would also say to my health is, I'm probably in the best health that I've ever been in in my entire life. I've managed to like gain a ton of weight, lose a ton of weight, then had babies, gain a ton of weight, lose a ton of weight. And so now that my children are both four years old and six years old, I now am like in the best health that I've ever been in. And I just do my best to like maintain a healthy workout regimen, eating a really good diet, and just overall self care, making sure that i'm taking care of myself in addition to all of the work that i have to do and responsibility. So i would say those are like my top 3 things.
0: Those are big things and it like sounds like there's just a ton of momentum and energy behind all of that. Oh yes, for sure. I love it. That's so awesome. And i want to back up for just a minute cuz you pointed out that parents generally don't raise children to be entrepreneurial and to be like, oh, especially, you know, if if you were raised or born, you know, 30 to 50 years ago, like no one was like, I'm going to raise you to have a blog someday. Like that just wasn't a thing. (laughs) And so I'm curious, I was raised in a family, my mom was a teacher for 42 years, my dad had a job with the state for 25 years. I'm curious what your parents like were you raised in a family where it was like you go and you pick one thing. And that's the thing you do every single day of your professional career?
1: Yeah, it definitely is. And my family background is pretty interesting. My mom and my dad, like most Americans, they were immigrants. My mom and my dad came from West Africa in the late 70s, early 80s. And so for them, coming to America was like the American dream. You just want to come here. You want to become a citizen, get an education. And then, of course, when you have children, you want them to go to school and get a job that would be traditional, like really high paying, like a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse or whatever. And for my family, my father specifically, he wanted me to go into nursing because he felt like if you go into medicine or in the healthcare industry, you'll always have a job. There's always going to be a need for you, like no matter what country you're in, no matter what year it is, there's always going to be a need for nurses or doctors. And I, at a very early age, was very rebellious to that. I didn't really like, I didn't really like medicine or health. Primarily because I wasn't the best at science beyond like earth science and like maybe a little bit of like, I don't know what else, what other science I was really good at. <laughs> it wasn't like really something that I was really good at. So I just kept like, we were always at odds with each other because he's pushing me into this career. And I'm just like, Dad, I don't think I'd be able to get through biology, anatomy, or physiology. Like, I'm never going to be able to get through these courses. So that just isn't going to work for me. And then I think by nature, because I've always been pretty headstrong. My parents would call me argumentative. <laughs> you know, I tend to feel like I'm just opinionated and I'm very passionate about my thoughts and ideas. So A lot of people thought that because of that, I would end up going to be a lawyer. And I think I kind of internalized that as well as a child. And even into my middle school years, I thought, okay, I'm going to go into being a lawyer. I would most likely become, maybe if I didn't go into defense law, I was thinking I'd probably go into politics and I wanted to be like the best lawyer or the most popular lawyer (laughs) that there was. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll do like, I'll be like the attorney general or something because, you know, they're like the most well known lawyer. Maybe I'll become a Supreme Court justice someday. Like, I don't know. And I actually planned on going to law school when I was in college. I took my LSAT. I studied political science, which is the track that most people do when they're planning on going to law school and decided after taking my LSAT that that's really not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to embark on that type of path because being a mom, and having children was something at that age, being like 18, 19 years old, I was ready for it already. And I was just like, no way, no way am I going to graduate here at 21, then go to law school for three years. Now here I am at 24. Now I have to pass the bar. I don't even know how long that's going to take, maybe another one or two years. Now I'm 26. Now I have to go and start working and build up my practice or if I'm going to go into, you know, working for the state or the county or whatever, I have to make a name for myself there. And then by the time I do all that, I probably still won't be in a position where I'm ready to have children because I may not have someone who's in my life at that time, given how busy I am. And even Mm -hmm. if I did, like, how do I slow down to like have children? So I just started like adding this all up. And I said, no way, like, I'm not going to do that. I want to be a mom, I want to have children, I want to be available with my time. I want to be available with my energy. I want to just be someone who can really be involved in their life. And not to say that women who go into careers like that, they can't be. I just knew the type of availability that I wanted. And I would have to share too much of myself with my career and my family. And I didn't want to do that. So for me, that change the trajectory of my entire life. And I knew from that point on that I would have to do something that would allow for me to be able to be with my kids. So I said, you know what, why don't I go into teaching? Because my kids would be home at an hour that I would also be home because, you know, I'm working the same hours that they're in school and I'd have summers and I'd have vacations with them. And I decided to do that. And I actually went and got my master's in education and I taught as a teacher for several years. I loved it. I love being with kids and a lot of the things that my family saw in me and my teachers saw in me that made them feel like I would be a great lawyer. A lot of those skills really helped me be a great teacher. And then I started to realize like now years later after not being a teacher anymore, I realized a lot of the skills that I have and a lot of skills that most people have, we tend to put them in these buckets. Like if you're good at this, then you should go into this field. And if you're Mm good at that, it should go into that field. So being that I was really good at explaining things because my parents would always say I was so argumentative, which means (laughs) I was. constantly trying to explain myself. And so I was also really good at like being persuasive, I guess you could say as well. And all of those things really worked for me as a teacher, because Kids need that. They need you to explain things and need you to over explain things and be persuasive, be energetic, be attentive. All of those things really helped me as a teacher. But needless to say, I wasn't really passionate about that. And I ended up finding my career now in the midst of teaching. A little bit of it became a hobby as I was a teacher. And then it grew into something bigger. Once I had children, I had my son and I was like, I have to figure out how to make this a job because I don't want to have to go into an office every day. and. I wanted to be able to be home with my children. Once again, that was very, me being a mom and being available was something that was passionate in me from being a teenager. And so as an adult having children, it was even stronger.
2: Mm, Interesting. So hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above
0: Let me back up. I think that previously, historically, there was this push. I had the exact same push from my mom that was like, find a job that will always be in demand. So nursing and teaching, those kinds of things for sure. And I think that the newer kind of trend is completely the opposite. And it's like, how can you make yourself marketable doing whatever the heck you want to do? Mm -hmm. And it's like completely the opposite of like fit into this place in society where there's always need and instead go out and serve however you want to serve and let people know that they need you. Yeah, Which is totally like the backwards version of that, but it allows you to create whatever you want to create, which to people like my mom and probably your parents, they're like, how, like, how do you do that? That sounds really Mm -hmm. risky and scary, but it's like completely exhilarating and it gives you time, freedom and family freedom that is like so valuable.
1: Yeah. And I mean, our parents aren't wrong. It is risky right, and it right, is scary. Right, right,
0: right. <laughs> like, yeah. Every like, single day.
1: <laughs> yeah, it really is. There's all of that still exists. But I think that just having more faith and having more confidence versus fear. One of my favorite quotes, one of my favorite mantras that I share on my platforms all the time is inhale confidence and exhale doubt yeah. because you are constantly going to be in put in positions and in person predicaments where you have to doubt yourself or you're going to doubt yourself or you're not feeling as confident or insecurity is going to creep in. And that happens all the time, whether you have your own business or not. It's not something that just entrepreneurs experience. You can be at work feeling insecure about something, questioning whether or not this is a job that you're going to be able to keep or if you're going to get that promotion or whatever it may be. So for me, it was more so like if I'm going to put this energy into going to this establishment every single day, nine to five and working 40 hours a week or plus, especially because I was salaried. And as a teacher, you work way more than 40 hours, especially Mm -hmm. outside of the school. Why not try to figure out a way to do that for myself? And some of the motivation that I had, like I said, being a mom and waking up every day. Like, Sarah, if my son woke up before I had to leave to go to work, I was going to be late hands down (laughs) because I would spend like just 20 minutes just kissing him, Mm -hmm. putting my face in his neck and basking in that baby smell. It's so like hypnotizing. And I would like squeeze his little legs and his little giggle. And I was just like, I can't leave. And that pull on my heart just made me figure it out. Like, I'm gonna have to do this. As scary as it is, I don't know how this is going to work, but I had to figure it out. And I was so excited about what I was doing as a hobby that it never really felt like work. And I think for me, that was kind of some of the challenges that I had initially with trying to figure out how to make this a business, because when you do something for fun, it's hard for you to figure out how do I get paid for this or why would someone pay me for this type of thing that is just seems so fun to me. But I guess the same applies to like athletes and musicians. If you love singing or if you love playing a sport, you may not be thinking like this is actually going to be something I can get paid for because you love it and it's fun. And it's like, how can I get paid for playing something or doing something that's so fun? And it's like, but that's actually
0: the best job because you never feel like you're working. Yeah, totally. totally. Let's talk about your entrance into motherhood then. So when you had your first child, you were still teaching. Is that right? No, actually, oh. when I had my first child, I had already at that point
1: transitioned out of being a teacher. And I decided that I was going to use my degree in another capacity. So in New York, we have a program called Early Intervention, okay. which is basically special needs for children. And I feel like they have this program everywhere. It just might be called something else. Is it like Head Start? Um, it's a little bit younger than Head okay. Start
0: okay. because it's for babies. Head Start is more the- like preschool.
1: Yeah. Okay. So here we have from babies to about two years old. They're not in school. And obviously, because of that, they don't get like special education because they're not in school. They're not at learning age. Mm. So it's run through the Department of Health. And so If at a certain age, every child is supposed to reach certain milestones, and if your child is not reading that milestone, there is possibly a developmental delay there because normal functioning children will all do this about the same thing within a certain amount of time, whether it be your child is one month old and they are not acknowledging you at all. Anytime you say something to them, it's like they don't understand as if you're speaking Mm -hmm. a different language from what they know or... Let's say your child is two years old and they should have a few words or at least be able to express to you in their own way that they're in need of something and they're not doing that. And in many cases now, because different developmental delays and diagnoses like ADHD or children being on this autistic spectrum, you see more and more that because of those concerns with children, whatever the cause may be, they're not functioning at the appropriate level. And so... A lot of states now, the Department of Health will offer services for free. Parents don't even realize that this exists. But if your child is supposed to be speaking and they're not even saying a few words and they're a certain age, they should be. And thus, if they're not, the state will give you free speech therapy or if your child should be able to grasp a pencil or put blocks on top of each other just things that kids do in play if they're not doing that at the appropriate age level then the state can give you after an evaluation a physical therapy or occupational therapy or if your child has other difficult emotional issues maybe they're like very violent or they harm themselves because kids do do this it's very rare but it happens they will offer you psychological therapy or something like that and it all happens in a play environment and sometimes you, children don't all look the same sometimes it's clear all right this child was born with a specific disability you can see it in their legs you can see it in their arms and or it's in their muscles clearly they need physical therapy but then there's other children that look just like everyone else but yet certain things they don't do the way that everyone else does. So they'll give you these services in order to help get your child ready for educational years when they're going to school. And of course, some children, they don't get the supports they need early on for whatever reason. Maybe parents don't know. They think they'll grow out of it. And then ultimately, they end up needing these services in school. But unfortunately, when you don't catch it as early as maybe even like a few months, if it's something that was noticeable, it's not always as easy to fix or to encourage the proper behavior. So that's where early intervention is. And for me, I decided, you know what, I'm not exactly loving working with this age group due to the administration side of it. But maybe I would like working with babies because it's a very different environment. And of course, I wanted to be a mom so bad, like working with babies was like the perfect job anyway. Oh, totally. So yeah, so I loved it. It was great. But during that, Time is when I had my first child. He was born in 2011, and I would go to work in the morning. After about three months, I had to go back to work. I was on bed rest for about six months, so it was like time for <gasps> six to get back months to work. on bed rest.
0: Yeah, it was wow. a lot. You say yeah. that so casually, like just six
1: months. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wasn't like bored or anything because at the same time I had this hobby that I loved doing. So while I couldn't like go outside or whatever, I wasn't like bedridden. I know the words you know, bed rest can sound like... Yeah, no, we do. I think i think bedridden.
0: Bed. <laughs> <laughs> so I was bed Tell ridden. us about the hot... So you were able to like be mobile, like up and around. Yeah, yeah uh, but
1: my doctors wanted me to sit as often as possible. Okay. If not all day, then okay. like okay. if you don't have to like go to the bathroom or like use take a shower, like mm-hmm. try to be sitting as often as possible. Okay. And for a lot of women, cervical incompetency is a very common thing that most people don't even think about or know because it's not talked about a lot. And so... In my case, I was having what they call cervical funneling. Mm -hmm. And for the people listening, obviously, probably most of them are moms here today. So we know like our cervix is supposed to be completely closed and it shouldn't be dilating until it's time to have the baby. And unfortunately, for some people, you start to dilate a lot sooner. And cervical funneling is when you're dilating from the inside. So it kind of looks like a V or a U. Mm -hmm. Whereas traditionally, when you dilate, your entire cervix opens just like a canal yeah so for me it was happening from the inside and once they discovered that, clearly they were like, you know, we have to make sure that the baby is okay. So I had to go to the emergency room and go to the uh, pregnancy triage and get some blood work done. And then from there, I had to get a series of injections just to help strengthen my son's lungs, actually. Mm -hmm. His lungs and try to strengthen the muscles of my cervix so that they wouldn't continue to open any further. I mean, I was too far along to do anything like a cerclage, which is when they stitch your cervix to try to prevent it from opening. Yeah, I was too far along to do that, so the only option was really to get a series of injections every week or two. So for me, I was going to the doctors every single week just to check my cervix and get a sonogram. Unlike most people who they go like just to find the heartbeat at like 11 weeks, they didn't go at 20 to determine the sex, and then they go a couple months later, I was there every single week. Oh my gosh. Every single week, yes. And then mm-hmm. being on bed rest wasn't that bad because I honestly like. It was like a vacation for me. You know, you get to go home and you get to like hang out. You didn't have to go to work. And I traveled to the city in New York from Brooklyn every day. So it was a long commute. Mm. And then, like I said, I had this hobby that I was loving. Yeah, which I want to hear
3: about clear. the hobbies.
0: So this time it was just a hobby. Go ahead and tell us what the, was the hobby. And then how did this transition into all the things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sure. So my hobby was creating YouTube videos and writing blog posts about my natural hair journey. So for women who have natural hair in the African-American community specifically, we tend to have had our hair processed and relaxed at a very young age. So a lot of young girls, myself included, at around maybe seven or eight years old, our parents will make the decision to chemically relax our hair, to keep our coarser, kinkier texture straightened, making it easier to style, making it less difficult to comb through, more manageable to take care of in general especially with the coarseness of our hair it can also be very difficult and painful on us as little girls as well and so chemical relaxers have been a very popular thing for years I mean decades so I would say back when I started this as a hobby it was in 2010 and some women had been wearing their hair natural meaning no chemical relaxer or anything like that for a little bit but the norm wasn't that
0: yeah, I read this I just want to interject for a second. I was reading Gabrielle Union's book and she talked a lot about this in the beginning of her book and I did not realize like that little girls like she would go to get her hair relaxed and basically mm-hmm. the chemicals that are put on your head and it just burns your head. Oh my god, yes. And she always <laughs> thought like her thought being like very perfectionistic and wanting to have her hair be as straight as possible. She's like I should just yeah. always let the chemicals stay on there for as long as possible without right. telling the person doing my hair that it's burning exactly. because the more burn, the better probably. And she, yeah. it sounded awful. And she did this routine. I did not know that this was like a routine treatment. And it was very eye opening for yes. me as like someone who just complains about blow drying my hair. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like completely traumatic for this little kid to have to go through that. And it's like the event itself is traumatic, but also to feel like this is what you have to do, that this is part of what, comes with having this kind of hair. And this is what you just have to do for the rest of your life. And so I'm super curious, like, I'm very excited to hear your journey moving outside of that and what that's been like. So go ahead and dive in. Yeah, no, I'm, it's so exciting to hear that, you know,
1: about that, because unless like you are a black woman, or maybe even a black man, it's usually something that most people don't know happens, because, you know, most other races, don't have to straighten their hair in that way. Whereas, you know, some people who do have finer textures with curly hair, they can blow dry and they can flat iron. And usually that's sufficient. But with African-American hair, the texture is so much more coilier and coarser that that's not enough. And if you do do that, it's not always very long lasting result. And that's Mm -hmm. also what the majority of the reason as well is that the results are not long lasting. So going through that experience of having a relaxer that burns because it was a chemical. Mm-hmm. And there have been documentaries created, one most popular by Chris Rock called Good Hair, where they've talked about how strong the chemical is. It can burn a soda can. Like the chemicals are wow. so, so strong. Yes, and it would literally break down the chemical bonds in the hair, keeping it permanently straightened forever. Forever, And your new growth would come in as the weeks went on and your hair would begin to grow. And then you would do the process all over again. So for most people, it was every six to maybe 10 weeks that you would do this process. And like our real unit explained, it is very painful and you do feel your scalp burning. And when you're done and you go to wash it out, your scalp usually is burned and you can feel the soap and every scrub that the stylist or whoever's doing it, sometimes it'll be your mom or your aunt doing it at home. Every every stroke of their fingers on your scalp, you feel it and it hurts so bad. It was very excruciating. And we would have a scalp burns on our head. But at the end of it, you'd have, you know, straightened hair. And after a week or so, the pain would go away and you would be happy that your hair was straightened and it didn't hurt to do. So that process was something that for me, I had experience from about seven years old until about 25. And I decided that I wasn't going to do it anymore after finding women on YouTube who were sharing their experiences of doing what we call the big chop. And the big chop is when you decide to cut out all of the chemical relaxed hair off of your head. So if you haven't had a relaxer for two months, you might only have about an inch of hair because hair grows about a half an inch on average every month. So you have about an inch of hair and you say, you know what, I'm not getting a relaxer anymore, and then you just cut the hair that is chemically relaxed, you leave the hair that is brand new from your scalp, which we call new growth, and you end up doing the big chop and your hair is very short like a little boy, and then... Once you do that, you begin what we call your natural hair journey. And now, this journey is not only just of you having hair that's not chemically relaxed, but it also is a psychological journey, one that you have to start learning how to embrace the new you because society beauty standards tell us that the longer your hair is, the better, the straighter your hair yeah. is, the prettier. And now you're learning to say, well, this is not the norm. This is not what I see in magazines. This is not what I see on TV. TV or in the movies, no one around me in my community even looks like this, even women of color. So now I have to step outside of myself and say, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to be and be an unapologetic about that and embrace that. And so for me, this happened back in 2010. And I was very, very excited about that experience and wanted to share it to everyone that I could because I was so excited about what I was learning. And I said, everyone needs to know this. And the educator in me wanted to help other women who also had textured hair feel like they could confidently become someone who didn't have that anymore and go natural. And so because I wanted to share it and I didn't have much people to talk to because no one in my community that I knew, friends, family, co-workers were also going on this new natural hair journey, I started to write about it online and I created my second blog. I had a blog before that where I would talk a little bit about personal things, teaching and family life and everything, but nothing to the magnitude with a specific niche like the. Blog that I created, which is called kinkycurlycoilyme.com. And that was my first entrance into what we call the natural hair community because there is a large community of women who from that time when I did it in 2010, fast forward now, eight years later, almost nine years later, there's a large community of women that have also made this same decision to no longer get chemical relaxers and now wear their hair natural. And so I also created a YouTube channel where I could not only just talk about my hair experiences, But I could in a very visual way now show other women like this is what you do. You do this. You cut your hair off and you get this big chop. This is what you're going to look like. And how do you embrace that? This is what you can do. This is how you're going to learn how to take care of it, because now for most people in their 20s and a lot of women that I meet now did it in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I've met women doing it as late as that because everyone's been relaxing their hair their whole life. We're like, well, what do I do? Because I didn't have to do all of these different things. Things as a part of my hair care maintenance before for most people who got relaxers, honestly, we went to the salon every couple of months. That was a part of our upbringing, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's what our moms did with us. And that's what for those people who already had daughters who were relaxed, that's what they were doing with their daughters. They were going to the salon. Getting their hair done. And every couple of weeks, you would go to the salon again and you would get a wash routine. She would do your hair for you and then she would put you under rollers, under the dryer, and then you would go home and you would do that again every two weeks. So a lot of black women didn't even take care of their own hair in a common, everyday type of way. Now that we have to do that, it's like, well, what do I do? How do I do it? What products do I even use? There weren't even products for women with our hair texture because the market didn't ask for that. If you have all of these women using relaxers, then there's no need for companies to make all of these products for moisture because we're not really interested in that. And, and why would so I make- Which
0: is so disturbing. I because know. it's like the whole marketing, the marketplace is like, we're just gonna give you products so you can be more like white people. Like, what? <laughs> I
1: know. That's but so I, wrong. <laughs> I feel like even if a company came out and said, okay, here's a product for you to wear your own hair I don't think it would have been well received because nobody was ready nobody for was it. doing it. OK, okay. You know? and now that we have millions, hundreds of thousands, I don't know what the number is now right. of women who are natural. Yeah. Now we have, you know, aisles and aisles and shelves and shelves of products for that. And then the very few people who still are relaxing their hair, there are still a few items for them. But most of those companies have rebranded and added new collections Mm. specifically for natural hair because now we're asking for it. So that was basically how my entry into this Hobby was. It was just, I would go to school. I was getting my master's and teaching at the same time. And then I would come home and then I would play in my hair. I would just try to figure it out. I would try new products. And as my hair began to grow, I would make videos showing how to do different styles. And I would go to work. When I left teaching, I'd go to work in the city, come home and play around in my hair and record it and just talk about whatever I felt like talking about. And I would write about it on my blog and I would. Tweet about it on Twitter, and I would share pictures of myself and other people on Facebook. And I would just create this big online community around natural hair. And that was like how I started this whole entire thing. And then I started hosting events and working with companies. And yeah, here I am today. But I don't only do natural hair now, now I do a whole bunch of other things as well.
0: It's amazing. This is so cool. So I was actually just a couple of weeks ago, I was in an event with a mastermind group that I'm in. The group is like probably 50%, if not more, black women. And one of the women said, so it was all these entrepreneurs talking about like challenges and stuff. And one of the women said, she said, you know, I have a household that has a lot of natural hair. So basically Mm -hmm. like we were talking about like outsourcing things, I think. And she's like, well, like sometimes Sunday is just like hair management at our house for like the whole day. (laughs) And I was like, in awe. I was like, I want to know more about this. This is so fascinating because again, like I just didn't recognize that this was something that, embracing your hair, managing your hair, like however, like something that all women consider on one level or another. So like for me, it's like a 10 minute thing every morning. But for this family, she was like, I can spend like three quarters of my day on Sunday, like doing hair treatments and fixing people's hair and braiding and what like all these different things. And I was like, I never even thought about that. It's (laughs) so interesting to learn how other people's, you know, I talk so much about daily routines and things along those lines. And that, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, sometimes some families are like spending a whole day doing hair on the weekend.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's so true. I actually just did. A video with Amazon they reached out to me and they wanted to me to promote their new textures and hues marketplace where you can get nice. products for black hair nice. and you know I didn't want to do the traditional video of just like this is how you use this product and the hair these are the results I really spoke with them and I said you know I think what would be really nice is to talk about my experience as a mom having a household of people with hair yeah. that I have to take care of and you know I titled the video I never thought I would have to do this as a mom and I think most people probably expected something to be completely different than what I discussed and I shared with it. I said I have a household of four two of us are women or female and two of us are male and I have to do everyone's hair because my son has long hair and that he wants to continue to grow my husband has long hair that he wants to continue to grow my daughter myself I have to do everyone's hair and everyone has a different texture. Everyone has different hair needs. My son wants something completely different than what my husband wants. My daughter's needs are different from my own needs. And so a lot of people resonated with that, even though I'm sure they weren't expecting it. But a lot of women, especially black women, were like, oh, my goodness, you know, nobody ever talks about this because we all have so much hair to do. And you think like, oh, I get the weekend to just hang out, relax or sleep in. And it's like, no, I have to do everyone's hair all weekend. And everyone has different hair needs. So we're spending so much money on all of these different products because we all can't use the same thing unfortunately and yeah it's a thing it's a big thing
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a big so, thing it's amazing and this is what i love about like breaking down cultural and racial barriers for us to understand like oh my gosh yes. i had no clue that this was like I did not know this was a thing. I did not know this was something that people had to think about to be like, okay, well, on Sunday, we're not going to be able to do these other things because we have hair day on, you know, like, <laughs> yes, this is why it's so important for us to learn about each other's experiences. Yes. <laughs> so well, I love this. And I love that you started this conversation before it was happening on a wider scale or a, mm-hmm. a broader scale. So now it's been you said you started in 2010. It's been eight yeah. years. Mm-hmm. So what are you most proud of? I know that I don't know if you continue to call it a blog, but your site... Well, my, my main Curly. website,
1: it's no longer a blog, but
0: I okay. do have another blog, yeah. Okay, so kinkycurlycoilyme.com was an award-winning yeah. site. What are yeah. you most proud of from you know the conversations that you started there and where that business took you and, and the space that it took up in the world? Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, a few things. I think for one
1: because I never intended to make a career out of it like it was just like this is fun and I want to help people because I'm learning so much let me help everyone else out there learn how to do this thing the fact that I became an entrepreneur like that was not my goal like we talked about earlier there was nothing in my family history or just even in the way we thought about things that would make me feel like I would be an entrepreneur I'm the first person in my entire family of decades upon decades of people to be an entrepreneur never imagined that this would be the case. I think that that's great. I think for a lot of people, myself included, I didn't realize the income potential, um, and I don't talk about this a lot, but now that I'm getting into a place where I'm creating online courses and online schools to support people who are interested in digital content creation, because I'm so passionate about this, and I feel like it is definitely an opportunity and a career that anyone, anyone, whatever your interest in, can do. But because of that, I think that what I'm loving is that I never imagined that I would be able to consistently make over six figures doing such a thing, yeah. especially when you grow up thinking about salaries and you think about, oh, if I ever made more than a, I don't know, $100,000, I would probably have to be in this type of career. Like I would have right. to be a doctor. Like right. what other career is going to make that much money? Like you don't think about that. Or I'd have to be like raised in a family that we already have generational wealth. Like where else am I going to make that much money? And so to be in a place where I've been able to do that consistently for years and continuously just grow and grow and grow, that is so exciting. I never imagined it. I don't even think my family could have even conceived of that. They probably thought I would be penhandling outside in, um, you know, Times Square someday because like, what is she going to do? So that's another one. I was able to be the first person in my family to be a homeowner. And obviously, because of this, because of this career, that's something that I've been able to do. So I'm the first in my family to be able to own my own home. What else? I had the opportunity to be on national television. I've been on the Dr. Oz show. I was on the Katie show. The episode never aired, but I was there. (laughs) there. (laughs) Um, there. But I I was on the Dr. (laughs) Oz show. And that was so amazing. I've been in several magazines, and I've won several awards just through my website and other things that I've done in the natural hair community and in the black beauty space with Mm -hmm. like Essence.com, Black Enterprise and so on. So a lot of those accomplishments have just been so amazing for me. But what I think Right now, as I think about those things have happened in the past and those things are definitely things I'm proud of. But now I'm in a position where I'm employing other people and giving other people an opportunity to make a living. And that is just like, that is so excited for me. My platform is all about women's empowerment, but to be able to like hire women and give them an income to say like, this is for the work that you've done for me. Like I'm able to empower you to be creative. I am able to hire someone who loves doing editing, video editing, and she wants to go into school for script writing and work in, you know, the movie scenes as video production. And I'm able to foster that by hiring her to edit videos for me. I have several stay at home moms that work for me writing as freelancers, encouraging them to do exactly what it was that I wanted to do when I had my children be able to stay at home and make an income. Mm-hmm. I have students that don't really know like where they want to go, but because digital media and social media is so built into the way that we grow up now, it's built into our DNA and our society, I'm able to support them by teaching them so much about digital content management, running online websites. And even though they're not developers and they've not never gone to school for anything like this, they really know how to run a website, run a business. And so it's so exciting for me when I'm able to see how I'm able to give back and to reach back out and help people be better and live their best lives. So right now, that's one of the most exciting things for me about what I'm currently doing. And I recently had shared a free email course. I do free email courses a lot because for me, my audience, how they support me is through Engaging with my posts because a lot of my income now comes from influencer marketing. And so engagement on my content is important for the brands that hire me to work for them. And so in exchange for all of the stuff that my audience does for me, even though it may be minor, just liking and commenting and sharing. But for me, it's the gold. It's the system. It's what I need in order to keep these opportunities coming. And so I do a lot of free work for them. I'm always engaging with them and whatnot. But I recently did a free online course where I talked about how to turn a hobby into a side hustle. And I had over a thousand people sign up for that.
0: Oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yes. And it just showed me that just like we were talking about earlier, more and more people are interested in entrepreneurship and creating their own like their own work opportunities and not have to go the traditional route. And so I decided after attending a conference in San Francisco this month called Afrotech, which is a tech conference for black developers, black people in startups and so on. um, There are about 4000 people there. And it was just a really amazing experience to see so many people in the tech field there talking about all. All different types of things. But I decided I was going to create an entrepreneurial school in the online sense where my goal is to have a digital content creation school where I'm going to create courses and classes for people who want to learn how to create a blog, how to create a YouTube channel, how to create a podcast, how to create events and hosts and, and so on. And then, obviously, after we talk about how to create these platforms, how do you grow them? How do you scale them? How do you monetize them? And if you're interested in influencer marketing, or if you're interested in working with brands, whether it be an ambassadorship or working with them as a part of their marketing strategy, how do you do that? And what do you need to do to set yourself up for that so that you can work from home? And as long as you have your computer, you can work from anywhere. And you can also have the freedom to be your own boss with unlimited income potential, because we already know our salaries are when we work for a regular job. This is what it is. And you may get a raise in a couple of years, but we know what it is. And when you're doing what you're doing and what you love, the income is limitless, especially if you work hard and you create new opportunities for yourself. So that's like my new thing right now. And I'm so excited about being able to do that for my audience because they really, really want it.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome. And I love the idea of helping women turn hobbies into side hustles because I think there's so many women, and this has been a really striking thing to me in the last six months in my community, how many women do have something where they're like, I kind of like talking about this one thing, but like, I don't know where to take it from here to turn it into something that could be monetized. And I think that's such a powerful conversation. And I love seeing the shift that we don't have to be limited by our full-time income or that like our current full-time thing doesn't always have to be our full-time thing. Like, I think that I'm just seeing so many people open their eyes up to other possibilities. And I think a lot of that comes from motherhood and wanting to reprioritize how we spend our time in many cases. Mm. But I love that you're helping people do that. I think it's so great. I have a question around mindset and imposter syndrome and self doubt. I know you don't frame yourself as being an expert. And you probably wake up many mornings and think like, how did I get here? And where am I going? So I think that (laughs) is what every entrepreneur comes up many mornings. But I'm curious how you keep your mindset in check so that you aren't overwhelmed by imposter syndrome or feelings of self-doubt or like, who am I to be doing all this? Yeah, that is a great question. (laughs) And you know, it is definitely
1: something, like you said, I think a lot of entrepreneurs experience. And I think it's even more challenging, or I feel for me, I can speak for myself personally. Sometimes it's hard to calculate and add up all of the things that I've done to get me here because I'm so in the moment all the time and when you're so in the moment all the time like you can only see right now and you forget like okay Janelle there's eight years of history here so of course you've done a lot of work but sometimes when someone will say to me like this literally just happened someone said to me I saw you eating a pomegranate in one of your Instagram stories, and I wasn't even talking about pomegranate. I was just eating it and talking about something (laughs) so unrelated. And they were like, and I've been eating pomegranates every single day. Thank you so much. And I look at my, (laughs) and I look at my husband and I say, I don't understand why I'm as influential as I am to some people, because I don't understand, like, why would you see me eating a pomegranate and now you decided to go and start eating one every day because i did it in a video so random like i don't get it like why am i so influential and then he'll talk with me about it and then i'm like okay yeah that's right but i still have those moments where it's like why like what am i doing that is so special you know and whatnot so i definitely still have that so much so much
4: young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. Lynn, this time of
3: year, parenting can be such a fluster klux. You've come to the right place. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. I'll get an
1: email from a brand. Like I've worked with a lot of big, big, big corporate brands in the past three years. And recently, a lot of that works. It just comes in my email box. I don't really have to go out pitching myself and looking for work in the way that I have had in the past, which is amazing.
0: It's an amazing place to be. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. God is You put in the hard work. I mean, that's like, let's be really clear. That doesn't just happen. That happens because (laughs) you from a very young age noticed that you were a strong willed person who could make things happen. And that's why it happened. But (laughs) yes. Thank you, Sarah. Thank
1: you. Thank you. I needed to hear that. Because once again, I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing it right now. Having imposter syndrome as we talk about it. (laughs) But here we are. I'm like, I'm like, OMG. And it's almost like, well, why do they want to work with me? And it's always so humbling. But at the same time, yes, I experience it. So I think for me, some of the things that I try to do is I try to remember that the connection that I have with my audience is what has really helped to build the trust that they have in me because I'm always so honest and I'm authentic about everything wow. I do. I'm genuine and I come from a place of giving. Like I always want to give, I always want to help. And like I said, Before, A lot of the characteristics that people saw in me that made them think, oh, you're going to be a lawyer or you should be this or maybe you should go into teaching, whatever it may be. A lot of those skills make me an asset to, you know, working in any type of field, any industry. But I've been able to hone that with social media because people really want that. They want to know that you're authentic and they want to know you care. Mm -hmm. And I do. And I do everything that I do, honestly, is to help make sure that my audience is also in a position to live their best lives and empower them to be someone who can be strong and be passionate and do whatever it is for you, even if that isn't being an entrepreneur. But whatever it is you want to do and whatever it is you love, do it and do it with your whole self. So I always try to just remind myself that that connection is important, and so I always maintain that connection. And I have many weeks where I get so busy that I'm not able to do it, and then I'll just be like, I have to like ground myself, and I'll go on like Instagram Stories or Instagram Live, and then I'll be on a live for like three hours. And Instagram oh, limits how <laughs> yes, Instagram limits how long you can talk on an Instagram Live to one hour, and it will literally cut your live off. So then I'll be like, hey, lady. It's counting down, 10 seconds left. I'm coming right back. So come right back and I'll go on for like another hour and then another hour. And I just feel so confident and so at ease when I'm connected with them in that way. And they love it. I think secondly is I always pray. I'm a very religious person. I'm very spiritual as well. And I'm a Christian. I go to church almost every Sunday with my children and my husband. And so I'm always praying for various things. And in my life, when I do that, God always delivers for me as well. So I often have to remind myself like, you know, God answered my prayer in this moment. So why am I questioning why this thing happened when I've been working towards this for eight years and I've been praying for such and such thing. And so it would only make sense said, after spending so much time, so much energy, so much effort, investing so much of myself that I would have this right now. And so that kind of thought process, as well as just staying connected has really, really helped me. But I definitely still, you know, for the women who are listening, I don't think it's not something that anyone can say like they never have it, like they feel like they're right where they are, they were supposed to be here, everything Mm -hmm. happened the way that they planned it. I feel like if you do kind of have that attitude, then you may not be in a very good position for very, very long, because as easily as anything came to you, it can be taken away. So I feel like there is a good value in being humble. And understanding that, you know, you're not always going to be the greatest and best at everything, but recognizing that you've put in the work and you've done what you're supposed to do. And sometimes it can feel like it's accidental. But everything that's happened in your past kind of sets you up for where you are today. And everything you're doing now will set you up for where you'll be tomorrow. And just recognizing that and believing in this is how it was supposed to be has helped me as well.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. I love it. So final question, in what ways are you a shameless mom?
1: Ooh, that's a good question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, shameless, I would say
1: for me, I recently started going to therapy and um, oh, Sarah, listen, so good, so good. <laughs> and, Like other people who may think, I know even myself, when I thought about therapy and what that meant and what you went for therapy for, I always felt like it had to be some really, really crazy situation in your life where you've been harmed in some way or something's going on and you're like a danger to yourself or whatever. But ladies, moms listening out there, I went to therapy because being a mom is hard. Mm -hmm. Like that is why I went to therapy. Because I was having, I call her momster and I know you moms know exactly who she is. She's that person that comes out when you are at your wits end and you no longer can speak at an even tone and you're screaming. (laughs) You feel like your blood vessels are about to burst. You're like, five seconds away from having a stroke, everyone in the household is looking at you like, what is going on? Like, why are you crazy right now? This was like, me like three struck. times before school this morning. <laughs> yes, and you know what? And, and Sarah, that's when it happened for me. It was before school mm-hmm. every single day. Every single day it was before school. I was going crazy. It was specifically my son. Oh, boys, I love the boys. But these boys and their level of uh, everything, motivation, quickness, efficiency, everything. My son was driving me crazy in the morning. And so I found myself turning into momster every single morning, walking out of the house, feeling so emotionally exhausted because I was exerting so much energy, just trying to get him in line and get him out the door and get him to just do what we're supposed to do. And you know, how come you don't have this down yet? We've been doing the same thing every morning for a year. Like what is happening? And so, um, After so much of that, maybe months of that, and in fact, months of that, I started to feel like I don't know how I'm going to be able to get my son to be different about this morning routine and to just be more irresponsible, more independent. But I do know that I cannot keep acting like this. And I know that I cannot control anyone else. I can control myself. I can control the way I respond to him, or at least I should be able to control the way I respond to him. I should be able to control my reaction to everything that's happening. I should not have to go crazy every single morning. Why is this happening? And when I started to try, like I was praying on it, I was trying to read different things to see how I could help better manage my temper, better manage my impatience. I just felt like at a certain point, every time I would try again, the next day I'd wake up, pray, meditate and say, God, please give me patience. Let me get through this morning. I would wake up and it would be the same thing after like maybe 15 minutes of trying to be calm. And so I said, no, I need something more. I need more help because I cannot keep doing this. I know that I'm not going to be able to do like get through the rest of my life like this. So I need help. And I talked to my family. I talked to my husband. I talked to my mom. I talked to my best friend and everyone around me felt like my desire to like seek counseling was a bit extreme. And like, why would you go to counseling for that? Like, Everyone has a child or whatever, children that gets them to that point. And that's not a reason to go to counseling, Janelle. Like there's so many other things that you could be doing with, you know, or reasons why you should be going to counseling, not that. And I didn't care. I like I was shameless about it. I was like, listen, this is what I'm doing because the way that I feel inside, I don't care how much you talk to me about what I should try, about what I should do. It doesn't matter. So I started to go to counseling and counseling has been such a good thing for me and helping me to recognize that even though I have a son that I can now with confidence say he's lazy and I have a son, <laughs> <laughs> my counselor told me just own it. Like everyone's not going to be as, you know, efficient as you or as excited about everything and as energetic as you and your son is lazy. You have to just accept it. He's lazy. Now, what do you do about that? Like, do you scream every day because he's lazy or do we learn? How to work around that, you know, I have to accept that I have to accept that he tends to be a lot more emotional than I am and things that I feel like are very small and don't require this dramatic expression, like a big old cry and a big outburst. I feel like those things are not necessary and he might. So learning to. Just work on me. How do I want to be? What kind of mom am I looking to be? And how do I do that? If I say I want to be loving, patient, kind, compassionate, caring, understanding is the action that I'm taking in this moment demonstrating any of that? No, it's not. And if it's not, then what would have to happen to do it? Because I can only control who I am. I can only control how I interact with my children. And at the end of the day, I don't want my children to say that my mom was crazy. All she did was yell and scream. And then when I hear it, I'm like, but what about everything else? You know, we gave you a great house. You got to do all these different activities. You got to travel. You got to do all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. all they remember is my mom was batshit crazy and she screamed and yelled all the time. And so, I don't want that. I didn't want that. So I started going to therapy and I shamelessly talked about this online. I shared many therapy updates with my audience and every single time I shared something, even from the beginning that I'm going to do this and this is why, and all of the different things that I was learning. Every time I shared something, hundreds and hundreds of comments from other moms saying to me, I go through the same thing. I never thought that I should go to therapy, but based on what you're saying, Janelle, this might be good for me too. And, um, Moms even saying, after hearing me talk about going to therapy and what I've been learning, saying, I started going to therapy because of you. And I'm so happy that I did. People sharing how they were initially embarrassed about the idea because of whatever the societal pressures and the stigma around people who go to therapy. What does that mean about you as a person? Because you're going to get help for something that people have been doing for millions of years. Like, you're not the first person to have kids. Why is it so hard for you?
2: Totally. You know, totally.
1: Like people, did, people did this with no resources. Like right. this is crazy. So, yeah, I think that for me, that's something that I'm shameless about. I tell people to go. And if you feel like you need to go and you need someone to just hear you talk about it and just give you a second objective opinion, it's helpful. And if you have insurance, honey, go. Because it's free, you might have a copay, but it's free. And if you don't have insurance, I've heard from other people who don't have insurance that they have gone places. And when you don't have insurance, the fee is actually a lot less.
0: Some practitioners will work on a sliding scale as well, so there's definitely yes. options. Definitely mm-hmm. options. This has been so great, so fantastic, and I love I love ending this with a plug for therapy because I think it's so valuable, and I really appreciate and acknowledge that it is not something that you need to wait for a crisis for. So I. I'm so grateful that you brought that up. And I think that's such a great way to demonstrate shamelessness every day. So I love that. I want to know where people can find you and follow you. So I'll put links to everything in the show notes. But if you want to just give a shout out to like the top one or two places where people can connect with you, that would be awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. So if you're looking to find me on all social media platforms, it's my full name, Janelle B. Stewart. You can go to my website, JanelleBStore.com and you can get all the links, but anywhere you are, that's my name there. You can find me there. And then if you're interested in my natural hair and beauty content, you can go to kinkycurlycoilyme.com. I know it's a bit of a tongue twister. But from there, you can find my social links. There are different names on different platforms, so it's easier to find everything there, especially if you're looking for that kind of information. And then if you're interested in wellness topics, you can find me on Healthy Janelle on Twitter, on Instagram and on Facebook.
0: Okay. Oh my gosh. You were in so many places. I love this. Yeah. Okay. So people can go find you based on their current needs, which is perfect. Yes. I will link everything up in the show notes. I definitely want people to connect with you and check out what you're doing and learn from what you're doing. Cause I think you're doing things brilliantly and I love yeah. how you were inspired to take action and also how you're inspired to support other moms and women along the way, which I think is so, so cool. Especially your motivation to now like be able to hire other moms and women into your business and give them that same pride that you have in what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you for being here and showing up as a shameless mom. This was so fantastic. And I really appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so honored. And I'll be back
0: anytime. Oh, thank you.